Praise the Lord and good day to you wherever you are, whatever you're uh, involved in today. I just pray God's richest blessings upon you. I'm glad you have found the broadcast. I, I really encourage you to go back from uh, the very beginning of this Romans teaching, which is what we're doing today. This is our Romans Bible study that we hold every Monday and Thursday morning at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. And you can follow us. You can go all the way back to Romans chapter 1, verse 1. And I know that you will if you're looking for the truth of God's Word. This is a ministry that doesn't just tell you what God says. This is a ministry that actually is led by the Spirit of God and He shows us and guides us in the truth of God's Word. You know, the Bible says in Psalms 33 and 4 that the Word of the Lord, the Bible, is right and all God's works are done in truth. And it's the truth of God's Word that Jesus said the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, the Comforter, would guide us into all truth. And so we must be students of the Word, as we've been commanded to be. Study the Word to show yourself approved unto God. And if you will position yourselves in that obedience unto God, then the Holy Spirit will be able to guide you into all truth. And I am Pastor Curtis Hutchinson here at Crossway Church, excited to be with you today. I hope you get your Bibles, pencil, paper, follow along with us today. We're in Romans chapter 12, and this is part 8 of our Romans chapter 12 uh, teaching series. And uh, they're all online at thecrosswaychurch.com. They're on the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316. Of course, they're here on our Pastor Curtis Facebook page, and you can also find them on the uh, Spreaker app, the audio form of all these sessions. So praise God for that. One thing, one last thing before we dig into the Word this morning, uh, determined camp meeting, October the 22nd through the 25th in Dublin, Georgia. This year's determined camp meeting is being hosted by Pastor Scotty Williams and the folks of Crossway Fellowships there in Dublin, Georgia. We're excited. Uh, we're just looking so much uh, to be in with those folks. And this, this is a meeting that we have uh, had about seven or so of them over the past few years. We had some down in spring near Houston. We've had some in Greenwood, Mississippi at Pastor Wayne Voss's church, and we've had some here. And uh, we're just so excited. This, this is a, a, a set of meetings that begin on a Thursday night and flow through Sunday morning of about 10 or, or a little more somewhere. So we've had up to 14 ministers show up and preach all weekend. And, and it is just a powerful conference. These are ministers who have come back to the way of God's sanctifying power through uh, what the, how the cross of Christ relays, uh, relates to us in our daily living. These are ministers who, like the Apostle Paul, have become determined to know absolutely nothing other than this great truth of the cross and how the Scriptures, all the Scriptures are tied to that truth of Christ and Him crucified. So I encourage you to get a hold of Pastor Scotty Williams. He's on Facebook. Or you can send me any questions you may have about conferences. We will even be putting the, the list of ministers and the times they will be ministering coming up in October. So I hope to see you there. If you hadn't got a vacation this year planned, you won't have a better one than that. Praise God. Hallelujah. So this morning we're in Romans chapter 12. This is part 8. 
And we're going to back up one step and read verse 6. And then we'll scratch our feet around there in that one verse. And then we'll move on through the scriptures. Because here the Apostle Paul is teaching uh, the church uh, about the, some of the gifts he mentions here. But know this, and this is one of the most important things you will ever know. Uh, is that the gifts, whatever they are, they're of the Lord. They're gifts of the Lord. He gives the gifts and he functions in the gifts. Or the gift uh, is there, but it, it's not by grace. See, all the gifts that God gives to his people that he might function in and through them has to be by grace. That's why Paul says here in verse 6, having then gifts differing, they're all of us. We have all different gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Then he gets into it, and we're going to roll through some of these this morning, but I have to stop here and say this. This is so vital that you know this. All the gifts, the gifts God has given to you, they only function by grace if they're going to function according to the will of God. Grace is what God is doing in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Philippians 2.13. It's God who's working in us, both to will and to do. Listen, here comes the, here comes the hidden key that most don't get. According to His good pleasure... And there's that when, when, when God is being pleased, that means there's an evidence of faith that he finds because it's impossible to please him without faith. And if he's not pleased with something, he's not going to function in it. You, you need to understand that. It's impossible for God to be pleased without faith. So it's God. Let's read that again, Philippians 2.13, for it's God who is working in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure, that which pleases him, which means, again, he must find faith in our heart, meaning faith in Jesus and what he did at Calvary, not faith in this, faith in that. And the, the object of faith is Jesus and what he did at Calvary. We must never forget that because this is why, this is what happens when we move our faith from the cross of Christ to even the gift that we have or what we're doing. Any, any of the good things that we find ourselves involved in, if we ever move our faith, our trust in what Jesus did at Calvary to anything else, God is no longer working in our gift. Because God's grace is God doing something. Now, now catch this. It's not sin in a person's life that stops the gift from working. It's the wrong object of faith, which eventually, if sin is not repented of, will carry us completely away from the object of faith that we have had. You can preach Jesus as Savior. People get saved. Preach Jesus as healer through faith in the blood. People will get saved. People will get healed. 
even if you, the minister, have sinful issues in your life. And to prove that, three days from now, example, three days from now, you commit a, a sin. Well, that sin didn't come from outside into your heart. That sin, Jesus said, came out of your heart. It was already there today, three days prior. Well, God knows it. God sees everything, but that doesn't mean He's going to shut you down and stop working in your life. But when you move your faith from the cross to something else, then you're really only operating in a form of your gift and not by the grace of God, and that's very deceptive for the body of Christ today to follow someone who's only operating in a form. They keep going the way they've been going, but now it's no longer God working in and through that man. It's just their form. And when you see that, when you find that, and you know that because the message is no longer related to Christ and what he did at Calvary. That's not what they're pointing you to. And you need to be careful with all that. So watch this now. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy. If you've been given the gift of prophecy, the Bible here says prophesy. You know, there's so many people who uh, are just waiting on God, I guess, to pick them up by the collar and set them somewhere or, or to punch them and make them belt out something prophetic. If you Listen, if you have, when you begin to recognize your gifts, let God use you. Quit, quit using all the excuses. You'll go to your grave. I heard somebody told me years ago that the most valuable place on the planet uh, is the graveyard because most of the gifts God gives the body of Christ just gets buried in the grave, never gets used. God forbid that happens to us. Yes, it's rough. When the, It sounds weird when they started calling me Pastor Curtis. I'm like, man, that don't even sound right. But you just have to go on anyway. If God's given you what He's given you, you have to learn to walk in it. And, 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 and unless you move through that, that obstacle of fear, you're going to be held right there where you are. And you're not going to be able to do what God's called you to do. Uh, and you're just going to stagger around it and be miserable. You know, God's got more, God's got more. We've heard that for decades. Well, step into the more by faith in what God's given you. If you hey, Listen, if, you, if you've been given the gift of prophecy, and the, the Holy Spirit here says, well, then prophesy according to the measure or the proportion, which means the logos, the word of faith. Hallelujah. And you know, we talked about that in the last session, part seven. Go back and listen to that. That'll really help you. Or, verse 7, or ministry, or service, it means servant. And, and, and let me say something about what we're about to read here. All Christians are called to some degree to walk in all of these gifts. But some are called and they have this gift. It, I mean, this is what you... This is what you know them, and they function in this. That guy prophesies, that lady, she prophesies. Or ministry, like service. They're servants, like to the bone. You know, we're all called to be servants. Amen? We're all called to serve one another, but some people are just, not, and I don't mean this in a weirded way, but... Some people, you just, that's, that's who they are. They're gifted. They serve. They, they're known for it. They have that gift to, uh, to serve. And he says, if ministry, which means service, 
Listen, then minister, then serve. Quit, quit waiting on, you know, and, and we're living in a time where the devil's trying to shut the door of the church. He's, he's, he's trying to make everybody think you can function from home. Listen, you can have a relationship with God at home, but how are you helping the body of Christ? How are you being an edification, exhortation? How are, you, how are you functioning as the body of Christ to help the body of Christ along? Hallelujah. And some people uh, have reached a point in their lives they're, for whatever reason, they can't. But a lot of people can't. I get, listen, I get told all the time by people why they can't come to church, why they can't do this and do that. But then I see them out doing all these other things. And you know, I hate it for them. I'm not going to throw rocks of condemnation at them because all they're doing is forfeiting. They're forfeiting what God could be doing in them and through them. And we need to know that. You can sit at home and make all the excuses you want. You can let that spouse uh, play that manipulative role upon you and keep you tied to the house instead of going and being a part of the body of Christ just because they don't want to. And, and, and they say they do, but if they did, they'd get up and go. they go other places. Come on now. And again, I'm not throwing rocks of condemnation. I'm just asking a simple, hopefully convicting question. What are you doing with what God gave you? And, and, and always remember this. It's not what God gives you that matters. It's what you're doing with what God has given you. Oh, we need to hear that again. It's not what you've received of the Lord. It's what you're doing with those talents that the Lord has given you that's going to bring about a judgment on you later. You need to understand that at the judgment seat of Christ. What did you do with what God gave you? Not on your own terms to be able to tell it like you think you ought to tell it like it ought to be based on the Word of God. Hallelujah. If you call to minister, be a servant and serve. If you call to prophesy, prophesy. Quit making excuses. Do it. God stirs your heart in the worship service to bring forth a word in tongues or an interpretation. Quit standing there. Sweat all over if you need to. Shake all over in fear. But give that word. Hallelujah. Don't worry about it. About it might be wrong. Listen, God wouldn't be stirring your heart to get something wrong. Go ahead and just speak it. Hallelujah. Because he's not going to give you a word and just, and, and just hold that word all week long for a church service. He's going to move on you when he gives it to you. Inspects you to deliver it when and he gives it to you. Amen, Brother Curtis. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So if, if, if you call to teach, here the Bible says teach. If you call to teach, teach. We're all called to teach, right? Well, you can't if you're not learning something. He that exhorts, edifies, encourages, will get after it. You know, and these people who have these gifts, they're doing that. You know, you, you can see a pastor long before he ever becomes a pastor. You can see you, before these gifts, before you ever even learn this portion of God's Word, you, 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 you notice things about people. Then when you begin to study the Word, you go, oh, that, that's the gift, that lady, that brother. That, that's the gift they have. Wow, it's right here in the Bible. He, verse 8, he that... That gives, let him do it liberally. That's what simplicity means. Let him do it liberally. If you call to give, God's blessed you 
<coughs> with, uh, with, with however those funds are coming into your life, and don't forget God's bringing them into your life, do it liberally. <coughs> if, you, if God's called you to give, to be a giver, give liberally. God's called us all to be givers, amen. The Bible says we prove the sincerity of our love through our giving. That's something that needs to be taught on pretty soon. Why we give? Well, or we could say, why aren't we giving? Uh, because giving of your funds to a local church that preaches the message of the cross, might I add, is proving the sincerity of your love. That's what the Bible says. So if the, if the Bible says that, what does it mean if you're holding funds back and, and, and your funds are just all carried out on you? Uh huh. You you can't you can't give tithes and offerings to a church, but you're buying alcohol. You're buying uh, things that are harmful to your body. You're, you're you're buying things based on what you want to make your life happy, but you're not tending to the house of the Lord. Come on, just a question I'm asking for you to answer yourself. No condemnation. It's a question for you to ask your own self. So he says here in verse eight at the end of verse, he that rules. Do it diligently. Keep ruling. If you're called to be a person who is leading in some way, leading a youth group, leading a praise and worship team, leading a church as pastor, leading on the job, whatever you're leading, do it diligently. Don't be wishy-washy, up and down, all around, in and out. Lead, lead, day after day, lead. Hallelujah. So do it with all diligence. And I love this one. He that shows mercy... Do it with cheerfulness. God says if you're going to show mercy to folks, do it with cheer. Do it cheerfully. Don't go into the, uh, uh, the, the place uh, to offer, uh, to, to show people mercy uh, with some whining, oh, we are. The Bible says show mercy with cheerfulness. Hallelujah. Because it's God's mercy that's making you cheerful. Come on now. Watch this. He says in verse 9, And let love be without dissimulation. It'd be a good thing if you'd write that word down and put an equal sign beside it and say hypocrisy. And, and never forget dissimulation means hypocrisy. Paul used that word in Galatians uh, chapter 2 when he talked about Peter being moved into dissimulation into a place of hypocrisy and others including Barnabas was moved uh, into dissimulation the same hypocrisy that Peter led them into and so that's what the word means and here Paul is using the word in this manner let your love for others be that without hypocrisy love everybody Love those that hate you. Love those that have a lot of money. Love those that don't have any money. Love those that are uh, whatever. Love without hypocrisy. See, hypocrisy is really respecter of persons. If you are exalting some people, that means you're putting some people down. Amen. If you're, if you're putting yourself over some people, that means other people in your mind are are over you, and I'm not talking about in an authority manner. I'm talking about in a in a state of better. I'm they're better than me, but I'm better than them, and and all that. And you know, I'm telling you, our flesh 
loves to love those that love us, and anybody that don't love us, our flesh loves to hate them or to put them down. I'm just reading the Bible to you. Let your love be without hypocrisy. Abhor that which is evil. Abhor that which is evil. You know how many Christians sit at home watch these little sitcoms on television with the homosexuals and the lesbians and oh that's just you know they just so cute isn't that that's so funny they you know and uh you know they shouldn't be that way you shouldn't be you should abhor evil and that is evil by the way cleave to that which is good <laughs> abhor evil do you abhor evil that means do you hate evil? Not the ones doing the evil. Do you hate evil? You know, there's a couple of shows that Robin and I like to watch on television. And every once in a while, those shows will have homosexuals and lesbians in them as the key players in that show. Well, we delete that. We don't watch that. Well, isn't that being a respecter of persons? No, that's abhorring evil because homosexuality and, le homosexuality and lesbianism is evil and an abomination to God. And we abhor that lifestyle, that sinful abomination before God. The people, we don't even know the people. They're probably whatever they are. But, but that sin, I'm not going to sit on my couch in my living room and be in an agreement by watching what God calls an abomination. Not going to do it. I abhor evil. Do you abhor evil? See, it's evil to be in a place where people are just getting drunk. Do you, do you abhor evil? Do you know that anything not of faith is sin and all sin is evil before God? Mm, well, we're not going to dig too deep into that or we'd, be, ooh, we'd get into something. Faith is not of sin. Faith, anything that's not of faith, the Bible says, is sin. I want you to get that. And all sin is evil before God. Do we abhor evil? Before I abhor evil in your life, am I hating the evil I see in my life? Because that's the way this whole thing works. I've got to first hate the evil I see in me. I've got to get the two before out of my own eye before I can come and show mercy to you with cheerfulness because God is working in me and through me delivering me and I want to see Him do the same thing in you. Somebody know what I'm talking about? Cleave to that which is good. Clee, hang on to that which is good. Are you learning that which is good? Not what you call good, what the Bible calls good. Because see, the world doesn't know the difference between good and evil. They call evil good and good evil. That means they got it all backwards and they always have and they always will. Are you, according to the word, cleaving to that which is good? The things God has given you the gifts God has given you, those are good gifts. And to function in the gifts is a good thing with good fruit. And we must abhor evil and cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another. That means affectionate one to another. With brotherly love. 
in honor preferring one another, giving preference to one another. You know, the story is that there's a, there was a church years ago that the preacher's son began to date a woman who had just been born again, who had before had been a prostitute. And it caused an uproar in the church because the church couldn't believe the preacher's son. The preacher was allowing his son to even date and plan on marrying someone who had been a prostitute. And half the church thought it was okay because she's now saved, and half the church thought that was totally wrong, that he could have somebody better than that. And I heard the story went like this. A little elderly lady stood up and said, what's on trial here tonight is not the very case of of what we see, the young man wanting to marry an ex-prostitute who's now born again, all that. What's on trial tonight, and we don't even see it, is the blood of Jesus. Is it powerful enough to wash away all sin and to give new life? If it is, then what's the big issue? And that's really what's always on trial in our own hearts each and every day. Is the blood of Jesus enough for me to function in the gifts God has given me? Is the blood of Jesus enough to have washed me clean and to now let me go forward without clinging to all the evil and the, and the ugly in the past and to function freely in the gifts God has given to me? Really, to put it rightly, to let God function, to flow in and through me by the grace He wants to operate in my life through. Because that's what, that's what gifts that are functioning according to the Word are functioning by grace. And those of you who follow this ministry are learning that grace is what God is doing in and through you. Grace is not a little sprinkle of God gave you something and now you can just function in it without Him. We can do nothing without Jesus, He said. Nothing, no thing. And the gifts are by grace and grace is what God is doing. So we can, listen, we can stop trusting in the work of Christ at Calvary and not even know it. Think about this scenario and I was there for several years. I would have never told you that the cross of Christ that, that there was some other avenue than the cross of Christ that could save your soul from hell, from sin. But after we got saved, we thought now we must search for that avenue, that something we can find in the Word where God can pour out through us what He really wants to do. And we moved away from the cross to find something, some avenue in God's Word that God would pour in through us and, and, and really something we do according to God's Word for God's grace to function in our lives. And listen, when we get, move into that mindset, we've really moved away from the cross and now our faith is in something other. Never forget Exodus chapter 32 when the people, when Moses was on the mountain and the people of God built a golden calf they also built an altar right beside the golden calf in their attempt to manipulate God. Well, yes, okay, we, we got to have an altar 
but we got the golden calf too. We've got the purpose driven. Yeah, we still believe in the cross, but we've got the purpose driven. Yeah, we, we still believe in the cross, but we're trusting in the government of 12. God sent Moses down that mountain. Exodus 32. Moses didn't say who's on my side. He said who's on the Lord's side. And the Levites are the only people that came out of that how many? How many? A couple of million at least. The Levites are the only one tribe and not, don't, not even sure if it was all the Levites but some of the Levites came out from among that crowd where there was a mixture. Only the Levites came out and accepted that the altar was enough. The cross is enough. And God began to, you can go back and search this out. Oh, it blessed me when I began to see this in Scripture. God, although all of Israel was God's people, God began to relate to the Levites as His own, as my people. I remember studying that. I remember saying, Lord, why are you calling the Levites your own? All of Israel is your own. And, I, and the Lord took me all the way back to where Moses came down the mountain and said, who's on the Lord's side? And the Levites came out. And do you know God gave them the attendance to the temple of all its furnishings, the greatest representative and symbol and type and shadow of Christ and what He would do at Calvary and where God dwells in that temple that was ever given in the Old Testament. He gave the service of that temple to the Levites. As I close this broadcast today, I'll ask you, are you on the Lord's side? That means are you trusting in the cross of Christ alone and nothing else? Not your gifts, not a denomination, not some preacher, not anything other than the work of Christ at Calvary. For where there's a mixture, there will be judgment. And we will have to drink the bitterness of of the work of our flesh because anything that's at enmity with God which is the flesh we will have to answer for and I don't want any of God's people to have to go through experiences that they didn't have to go through if they would just have simply been trusting in the righteous work of Christ at Calvary there is much work to be done but our faith isn't in that there are gifts we've all received, but our faith isn't in that. And we show God from our hearts what we're trusting in. And it's either our hearts are believing under righteousness that belongs to Him and the avenue through which it comes being the cross of Christ, or we're trusting in some righteousness through what we're doing. We're still searching for that avenue where God's going to pour out in this last days. And the wrong thinking in that is something that we find to do. God does the doing in you and through you. It's called grace. And if you'll come back to Calvary and stay there, the Holy Spirit will be able to guide you into all truth and He will begin to pour out of His Spirit on you and through you and then you'll know, then you will know the reality of God moving and changing and conforming you into the image of 
the, the Christ that saved you. I hope you've been blessed in this session. Join us again Thursday morning this week at 8.30 a.m. Central Time right here on the Pastor Curtis Facebook page and the Curtis Hutchinson 316 YouTube channel. God bless you. We love you. And until next time, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. I'll see you then.